We left off discussing what preschool fade-out is and how researchers think we can mitigate it with one-on-one intervention programs in early elementary school. Now, let's examine the issue of preschool fade-out within the local Charlotte-Mecklenburg school system and how policymakers and other key stakeholders feel about the current policies in place. Since preschool fade-out is only a recently developed policy issue, there are conflicting viewpoints even within CMS about whether addressing it should be a priority. We interviewed two superintendents to hear their thoughts. After speaking with the Deputy Superintendent of Academics for CMS, Dr. Matthew Hayes, I was surprised to learn that key stakeholders did not believe that the preschool fade-out was a top priority for policymakers. According to Dr. Hayes, these effects are mitigated over the course of elementary school. Especially, the circumstances of COVID have altered the scores of students drastically, which makes it difficult to determine whether or not programs are effective. Following this, Dr. Hayes will describe this common phenomenon. Schools, especially at elementary school, uh, take the beginning of year a bog, right? It's the beginning of year, a great assessment. Um, And what we found out was, uh, is through that and through some of our other testing that we give students um, through MAP, uh, map testing is one of our other things that we use to get, to help know where students are in their learning is that in our very early grades kindergarten through second we saw students that were in the 90 to 95 percentile across the district as the grades went up we started noticing that that percent that percentile reduced drastically well those are those are redistricted let me just say this that last uh, two years ago when we did the map data and some of those things in the early grades, we saw students that were at a 50, 55%, 60%, right, would have been high. For them to be at 90, 95%, it means that they may be getting a little bit of extra assistance at home, which you, because of the age of the child, right? So so even, so that's just an example of how data, data may be there, but it may not be good usable data to actually know where students are in their work. Currently, Dr. Hayes believes that the preschool fade-out is not prominent given the circumstances of the pandemic, and in normal years, policymakers are not as concerned about the issue as they see these effects diminishing over the course of elementary school. Although there could be a skewing of data, as Dr. Hayes mentioned, this is not to say that intervention methods especially designed to mitigate the effects of fade-out are not important. In fact, Dr. Hayes specified that individualized instruction especially in kindergarten through second grade, can help close achievement gaps. As we've seen, policymakers have decided to move forward with the expansion of literacy intervention methods as they found it was effective in other districts and therefore should be implemented in CMS. We also talked to Assistant Superintendent of Academics, Beth Thompson, who had some contrasting views, specifically in regards to literacy. The What I know to be true about reading, especially in the K2 realm, is that it is complex, (laughs) right? Yeah. And and that kids' brains aren't wired naturally to do it, right? It doesn't mean it can't happen. It just means that it has to be explicitly taught to students. Um, What happens in pre-K is super important as a part of what needs to happen in the K to two, pre-K to two realm. So if a student has 
has gotten mastered, understood what he or she needs to in pre-K, but what happens in grades K through two doesn't continue that process, right? Then it absolutely is true <laughs> that what had happened in pre-K could, could not result in what we want to have happen by the end of third grade. What Thompson is describing here is the growing belief that preschool fade out can be mitigated as long as the skills learned in preschool are built upon throughout elementary school. This can be achieved through a variety of means such as curriculum and special intervention programs. One of these programs is the HELPS Literacy Intervention Program, which has been implemented in recent years in CMS. take a deeper dive into the HELPS program, I spoke with Melissa Walker, an implementation coach, site coordinator, and trainer with the HELPS Education Fund. So HELPS stands for actually helping early literacy with practice strategies, and it's a reading fluency intervention that helps students with sort of a sometimes uh, forgotten reading, very important reading skill, which is to learn to read with fluent, uh, reading fluency, which means read with speed, accuracy, and proper expression. And it's sort of the bridge for students between learning phonemic awareness and decoding, and then being able to read fluently with speed, accuracy, and good expression so that they can understand what they're reading. So it's that, so you can, you know, a lot of times students will learn how to sound out words, but they don't have the fluency to comprehend what they're reading. And if they can't comprehend it, then they can't read to learn, they can't read for enjoyment. So HELPS is really this bridge to help them go from the phonemic awareness and decoding to reading more fluently. The HELPS program originally came to the Charlotte-Mecklenburg school system through an organization known as Read Charlotte. You probably or may have heard of a nonprofit called Read Charlotte. That's the executive director of Read Charlotte is Monroe Richardson. Read Charlotte acts as sort of an incubator, a collaborator to bring all different kinds of um, processes and programs and volunteers and corporations and nonprofits together who are interested in helping promote literacy. And they have a, a stated goal of helping 80% of our Charlotte-Mecklenburg third graders to be reading on grade level by 2025. So uh, at the beginning of the project, most of our students here in CMS and around the country are about 40% of students were reading on grade level. Um, that's pretty standard by the end of third grade. And so he's got this goal, or Read Charlotte has a goal, and we have kind of now bought into this um, and are collaborating with them to, to achieve it, to have 80% of our CMS third graders reading on grade level by 2025. At the inception of the Read Charlotte initiative, Monroe Richardson conducted a vast survey of intervention programs nationwide before stumbling upon the HELPS program sitting right at Charlotte's back door. The program was developed, researched, and thoroughly tested by Dr. John Begany at NC State University and came with a plethora of scientifically validated data that proved the program's efficacy. Not only was Monroe impressed by the results HELPS was showing in trials, but the goals of Read Charlotte and the goals of the HELPS Education Fund, the nonprofit that the HELPS Literacy Intervention operates under, aligned perfectly. First, educational equity is a priority for HELPS, as it is for Read Charlotte. Educational equity is what drives everything that the HELPS Education Fund does. Um, so all of um, the programs that we do, HELPS, 
being one of them, are, are provided free or low cost for anybody around the world who wants access. So access to these, um, you know, research validated, scientifically, research um, and scientifically validated pro programs are provided free or low cost to anybody who has, ac you know, wants access to them. I think that's a huge, huge plus. HELPS is also dedicated to helping students reach reading proficiency by third grade, as Reed Charlotte is. Melissa helped explain why third grade is the target year for these programs. Research is pretty overwhelming that when students are reading fluently or reading on grade level by the end of third grade, they not only have, are more likely to graduate from high school, they're more likely to have learn, better learning outcomes, but they're actually, the research is pretty overwhelming, they, they have better life outcomes. So in terms of policy, there's like really far-reaching effects of students reading on grade level by the end of third grade. Just as a, a former educator, at you know, third grade and certainly by fourth and fifth grade, almost every subject that you're doing in school involves reading, math, social studies, science. So if you aren't reading fluently by the end of third grade, you are getting further and further behind. It just becomes kind of almost like a snowball effect of it's harder and harder to catch up because the, the demands, the academic demands just become greater and greater. And then the need to be able to read and understand what you're reading becomes so much more important. Finally, both Read Charlotte and HELPS have a unique focus on community collaboration in education. The HELPS program is actually designed to be implemented primarily by community volunteers and not teachers. I, I think that was one of the things that really drew Monroe, another, in addition to the, the data that was coming out of, one of the other things that really drew him to this program was the success it was having with training all different kinds of tutors. And I think at first Monroe was a little bit skeptical, like how can you train, you know, tutors that have never had an education background, they're not educators, to be able to get these kind, this kind of results with students. So they, like, even before we piloted it in CMS, they piloted it in three summer programs, the summer prior to it beginning being in CMS, and they trained college students. Some of the college students had, and some of the ones that were at working at UNCC were educators. So they knew that some of those tutors might have had a higher level of experience um, in the tutoring, but they also piloted it in a program called Urban Promise, which is works with high school students. They trained those students to become tutors. And the data that came out of both of those programs with the more maybe educating educators that were more familiar with those kind of processes and working with students, as well as these high school students that they trained just as high schoolers to work with these tutors had equal amounts of strong data and results that came out of that summer. So I think Monroe really said, wow, if we can do it across all of these different summer programs, it really made him believe that we could then start pushing into companies and universities, train these tutors on a mass scale to go into schools and, and follow this these procedures and these, this program, part of the beauty of HELPS is that it is very scripted. There's a flow chart, there's a formula that that has been used to get these results that we've gotten. And so we have high implementation integrity from the program. We have implementation coaches and site coordinators that are in all of the schools where our tutors are coaching and providing that feedback and support so that tutors can get to their own implementation fluency pretty quickly with students. And we know that if they're following the script and they're following the format of the flowchart, that we're gonna get these kind of results. So it is easy to train and implement with tutors across the board. 
This partnership between Reed Charlotte and HELPS makes for quite a unique situation. CMS, to our knowledge, is one of the first large urban school systems to bring together all these different parts and pieces of tutors and companies and nonprofits working collaboratively together to help our students get to this goal by the end of um, 2025. When the two organizations first joined forces, no one knew if it was going to work. Although the HELPS program had seen success in small research trials and summer pilot programs, expanding it to an entire urban school district with Reed Charlotte was ambitious to say the least. Luckily, however, HELPS took off. We started in the first year with only 10 CMS elementary schools. It was considered our pilot year in 2018 and 19. So anecdotally, of course, we started seeing all this really great result in the schools that we were in. But then when we got the data from that first year, what we were able to see is that, yes, we could implement HELPS in a large urban school system. We could bring all these partners together, tutors from different places, and we could have the same uh, kind of success that they were seeing in these smaller research studies that they had done before. So then that just built, built on the enthusiasm and excitement. And so we've just continued to grow. In that first year, the students who received 50 or more sessions closed 75% of the reading gap. So most all of our students that were in the HELPS program that pilot year began a full year behind in reading fluency. And by the end of that year, they had gained a, had a gain of slightly more than one and a half grade levels. So that was pretty spectacular results to close 75% of the reading gap. Um, our mid-year data from last year showed that 60% of our second graders were exceeding expected growth in reading fluency and 51.1% of our third graders were. So we continued to see um, that growth. And of course, you know, we'll be eager to see our mid-year data coming out of this year. As of this school year, 2020 to 2021, HELPS is in 19 elementary schools and serves 285 students expanding from only third grade tutoring to first through fifth grade tutoring. And HELPS is anxious only to keep growing. There's a new initiative uh, in North Carolina called North Carolina EdCorps that has, has been in collaboration with the governor. Several large urban school systems in, uh, in the state of North Carolina are working through North Carolina EdCorps. CMS is, is one of those. And in CMS, they have committed that the North Carolina EdCorps tutors are gonna be working with HELPS Literacy. So we are in the process of expanding into more school, additional schools. I think that's really exciting. I also think it really points to the fact that the data that has come out of this project, this collaborative project in CMS has really gotten the attention of the state and of the city. I think it's really exciting that we're gonna be getting to serve that many more students with reading and reading fluency. So why has HELPS continued to grow when it seems like every other school program is suffering from budget cuts? For that, we return to Beth Thompson. They um, help, I appreciate that HELPS is really targeted in its focus. Um, and from my experience has resisted trying to do more things in addition to its mission has stayed really focused on like what we do is reading fluency and we're gonna 
we want to expand the ability to do reading fluency, but we don't want to take on eight more things, right? So they say narrow and focus, but but desiring to expand and scale. Um, I also think the way that they had systematized the support to be able to provide tutoring for students like four times a week, but doing that in a way that still makes it a really viable option for a tutor or a volunteer. In other words, this idea that a, a volunteer doesn't need to be able to commit to four times a week to be able to volunteer, I think is really powerful. In other words, it's a it's a really great match of a, an important service for a student, but then also um, it's doable for, for volunteers. The importance of focus and direction has been crucial to the success of HELPS and other Charlotte-based intervention programs. We now return to Kelly to discuss the success. The HELPS Literacy Program has truly seen remarkable success just in its first few years in CMS. In more ways than one, the program is a pioneer. In fact, the success of the HELPS model may have important implications for the future of preschool fade-out. Though HELPS wasn't developed initially with the goal of mitigating preschool fade-out in mind, it is certainly paving the way for the future research and development of similar intervention programs that could target preschool fade-out specifically. The HELPS model has several features that researchers think may be promising for effectively reducing fade-out. First, HELPS largely serves socioeconomically disadvantaged students, a population that has been shown to be particularly vulnerable to falling behind in academic achievement. HELPS is primarily in serving in schools that would have high populations of low SES students in, in there. HELPS also emphasizes the importance of beginning intervention as early as possible in a child's elementary schooling years, which is key for effectively building upon a child's preschool experience and preventing the onset of fade out. The earlier begin that intervention and that support, you know, the, the older you get, the harder it's going to be to get to that fluency. Finally, HELPS aims to offer sustained one-on-one -on -one support to students which ensures a child is not only maintaining their pre-K and elementary academic skills, but is consistently improving them. The more sessions students have, the more gain they get. We really want to have our students receive um, 50 or more HELPS reading fluency sessions in a year. Moving forward, the HELPS program is poised to be a trailblazer both for the future of intervention programs in CMS, statewide, and even nationwide. Next time, we'll take a look at how CMS and the HELPS program have adapted to what no one saw coming, the COVID-19 pandemic. This episode of Helps Me is brought to you by the amazing teaching and support of Professor Dr. Brittany Murray at Davidson College. We'd also like to thank Matthew Hayes, Beth Thompson, Michael Little, and Melissa Walker for volunteering their time for this podcast. We could have not have done it without you. This episode was written and edited by Kelly Garrett, Taylor Dykes, Hannah Matos, and Sodi Smith.